Let us pray. He keeps me singing. It matters not what our circumstances are, what the devil hurls at us. Because of his matchless grace, we can continue singing. We commemorate that grace in giving, not from a sense of compulsion, but from a sense of great gratitude. And we do this to the King of kings and Lord of lords, even Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen. I don't know about you, but I feel like marching. <laughs> Thank you. If you missed uh, Friday night fun night, you really missed out. It was a hoot. We all had a lot of fun. And it's going to get better every time. We had a ping pong table. It was just a small one. And that was the only minus. We couldn't find a ping pong ball, so we were shut down. <laughs> but that... <laughs> That did not deter us. We had a lot of fun. I hope you'll join us next time. Let's prepare ourselves this morning in our usual fashion. We'll have a few moments of silent prayer. The option of confessing any unconfessed sins to God the Father, which ensures the filling of the Holy Spirit. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your grace and for your plan. We pray that you will help us to inculcate your word, that we will be able to go all the way. We'll reach for the high calling of Christ, for the, reach for the uh, prize, and that you'll help us as we continue on our way to keep our priorities straight, which is doctrine number one. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Okay, uh, this morning we're going to jump right into the plan of God that has seven imputations into it. Uh, imputation comes from the Latin word impart, uh, imputare, I-M-P-U-T-A-R-I, and it means to credit to someone's account. And we have something credited to our account when we're born physically, when we're born spiritually, and God has something for us as well in eternity. What we're going to be looking at in this plan of God with these seven imputations has to do with every believer. Actually, it starts out for every person, but then it moves on into the spiritual birth, and this is for every believer. So this is where we have equality as far as uh, believers are concerned. Each one of us have the same option or potential to reach spiritual maturity, to glorify God and uh, receive great blessings to ourselves. Every one of us has that potential. We know that there will be a time that we're going to stand before Jesus Christ at the judgment seat of Christ. Sin is not the issue. It's an evaluation to see if you're going to receive these surpassing grace, blessings, and eternity. And we all are going to hopefully have a good sense to be humble and just say, yes, sir, whatever it is. But no one will be able to say, yes, but you know, I really didn't have uh, the same chance as another believer had because of this, that, or the other thing. 
that will not happen because of this uh, seven imputations that God offers to everyone. And so that's what we're going to be looking at. Now, there is also a plan that he has individually for each, in, for each believer. So he has a specific plan for you, or where you should be, what you should be doing, and so forth. But this is looking at the general plan that God has for believers. Okay, we're going to get right into it. If everything opens okay here. We all start out in what might be called the X, shall I say the X factor? <laughs> uh, in, in X, we have imputations at physical birth. The, the imputations are given in solid yellow colors here. Now, what I'm going to be showing you might not be scintillating as far as um, keeping you entertained, but my job is not to entertain, it's to teach. And what we're going to be learning is very important for you to grasp. So I hope that you maintain your concentration. So at, at uh, physical birth, we have soul life imputed to biological life. Uh, before that, when you're a fetus in the womb, you do have human life, but you're like a essentially a computer without the electricity, without being plugged in. And then at birth, God imputes soul life, which makes us a human, you know, human life. And this uh, occurs to every person. Uh, and so this is how we uh, are born physically alive. Then the second part gets a little more complex. We have Adam's original sin. Did you know that Adam was created perfect? And when he sinned, the condemnation of Adam's sin was imputed or is imputed at birth to every person, to our old sin nature. Something happened in, to Adam when he sinned. Uh, uh, two things actually happened. First of all, when he sinned, he died spiritually. That means that his relationship with God was severed. And the second thing that happened is that he acquired an old sin nature. Had Adam not sinned, his body would have never uh, grown old. It wouldn't have degenerated and so forth. But when Adam sinned, his molecular structure of his cells and so forth, whatever it is, uh, started to degenerate. It took him over 900 years to die. But he did die because of what happened when he fell. Now, the, both those things are passed on to us. Because if you want to go back in genealogy far enough, we're all going to wind up with who? Adam. So we, we have the genes of Adam, and because his genes were tainted when he sinned, we acquired an old sin nature, and our body uh, degenerates. Adam's was uh, over 900 years. Ours, if you make, what, 80 years these days, is you're doing pretty good. However, they're trying to tell me uh, I say the media and, and people are saying that the uh, 80 is the new 60. We have a few 80-year-olds in here. Is that true? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> no. <laughs> Some say that 60 is the new 40 and that type of thing. I don't know if that's true, but we are given a certain amount of time and our body is going to degenerate. The Bible says that this house that our soul lives in is eventually going to degenerate and go back to the dust. So what is this all about? We have the formula right below. You, when you are born physically alive, that's human life, 
plus SD stands for spiritual death because that's what the consequences are of Adam's sin being imputed to you and to me and to our old sin nature. It means that we're born physically alive and spiritually dead. We have no relationship with God because we are already born spiritually dead. And that creates a potential. But first of all, before that potential is realized, we have to get information. This information with regards to the unbeliever has to do with the gospel. The gospel is what changes that potential to a reality, which is salvation, once a person believes it. Once a person believes in the gospel, then what happens is they are moved out of this green area. You see the new believer is blue. We'll go over there in a moment to show you. You're no longer in that phase. You've moved beyond being an unbeliever to a believer, and then there's another part of the plan and other imputations that come into play. But before we do that, I'm going to show you. Uh, you can Well, you can go ahead and go to your Bibles right now to uh, Romans chapter 5. But I'm also going to have it on the screen as well because I don't want to just rush past this part of you being condemned for Adam's sin and you have an old sin nature and that type of thing. We need to see it in Scripture and we need to see its importance. So you can look up here or you can look in your Bible. We're going to start with Romans chapter 5, verse 12. Now this is going to explain this thing as to you and I, in fact, all mankind except Jesus Christ was condemned for Adam's sin. And why that's not only fair, it is absolutely great. It is stupendous. Apart from this, you would have no salvation. And I want you to understand it so well that you can explain it to other people. In fact, I hope that by the time we get through the whole uh, seven imputations, that you will be able to say, hey, let me tell you about the seven imputation in God's plan, and just there you go. Hopefully you'll get there. We start with Romans chapter 5, verse 12. It says, Therefore, just as through one man, this would be Adam, sin entered into the world, and death through sin. That would be what kind of death? What else? Not only because he died spiritually, it also was going to die physically. So both kinds of death uh, entered into um, the world. By the way, in Genesis 2-7, when it says that God breathed the breath of life, it's not life, it's lives. It's plural. You receive, uh, Adam receives spiritual life and soul life at the same time. So therefore, just as through one man sin entered into the world. Now, why was it Adam's sin that sin entered into the world when Eve sinned first. Can we blame it on Eve? Well, I don't guess it's really a matter of blame, but see, Eve sinned in ignorance. Adam knew what he was doing when he sinned. Furthermore, he was the federal head of the human race. And so when he sinned, that's where the condemnation came through. So, therefore, just as through one man, Adam, sin entered into the world, and death, that's both spiritual death, and physical death came through sin, and so death spread to all men because all sinned. Now, how did death spread to all men when Adam sinned? Well, we see it right here in what we were looking at. It spread by 
uh, God condemning all mankind by Adam's sin. Furthermore, Adam's body changed to where it was no longer going to live forever. And that type of body is what he passed on through his progeny. Okay, so are you all with me so far? Okay, verse 13, uh, 15, Romans 5, 15. But the free gift is not like the transgression. Now, what Paul is showing here that two things happened here. And he's, he's contrasting what happened when Adam sinned with what happened when Christ went to the cross. But the free gift, what is the free gift, by the way? Anybody got an idea? Salvation, eternal life, right, is a free gift. The free gift is not like the transgression. For if by the transgression of the one, and this is transgression of Adam, the many died, and that's a first-class conditional clause, meaning if, and this is true, many died, much more, and we'll get to this, maybe I, I don't, I, we might not get it to, to it today, but much more is an a fortiori. Remember the Latin phrase, with greater reason? Here's another one right here. Much more, with greater reason, did the grace of God and the gift, here being eternal life, by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, abound to many. So you have Adam sinning, which wound up with everyone being condemned, contrasted with the free gift of, that comes through Christ on the cross, and that grace abounds to many. What does it mean, abounds to many? If I was going to give you a test, I would ask you, in the last portion of verse 15, when it says, the grace of God and the gift by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, abounded to many. I want to know what abounding to many means. Can you answer that? What it means is that Jesus Christ died for the sins of all mankind. And so this free gift abounds. In other words, it is offered to all mankind. Just as everyone was condemned when Adam fell, everyone has the potential of this free gift. It abounds to many. In fact, it abounds to everyone. Just like everyone was condemned when Adam fell, the free gift of eternal life through Jesus Christ on the cross, abounds or it is offered to everyone. Got it? Verse 16. The gift is not like that which came through the one who sinned. That was Adam. There's, again, it's showing you a distinction. For on the one hand, the judgment arose from one transgression, that's Adam's transgression, resulting in condemnation. And who, did, who, who actually was condemned when Adam sinned? Everyone. You're humankind. Adam was a representative of the humankind. Maybe I can give you a, a, a parallel. When I was in elementary school, the teacher would take a break. And I don't remember. What, I don't think it was a lunch break. It was maybe a two one o'clock break, 2 o'clock, whatever it was. She would leave for about 15 or 20 minutes. And she would tell us, now, when I come back, I want to make sure that all of you have done your work and that there's no disruptions. Because if anybody misbehaves, no one goes to recess. And, of course, <laughs> I don't know if you can relate to this. We had a lookout. Uh, 
We had doors like this with the glass slit in it. And as soon as she left, we had rotation because everybody wanted to get in on the fun. And when you're looking out, you couldn't participate in the debauchery that was going on. So we had a lookout. And so we would, I don't remember what all we did, but we were misbehaving big time. She had to know it because you could hear us a block away. But she, uh, uh, we would all be doing our thing. I was saying, here she comes. <laughs> we all run, get in our seat. We're just standing there. But it didn't matter because if one person got out of line, what happened? Nobody went to recess. Think of it in those terms with regards to Adam uh, sinning. So it says, The gift is not like that which came through the one who sinned Adam, for on the one hand the judgment, this condemnation on all of us, arose from one, Adam's transgression, resulting in condemnation, that is to all mankind, but on the other hand, the free grace, excuse me, gift arose from many transgressions resulting in justification. One transgression ended in everyone being condemned. On the other hand, you have all these transgressions and the potential of being justified through one man's grace. One man's act. You see the comparison, what he's showing you here. Verse 17. For if by the transgression of the one that would be Adam's sin, death ruled or reigned through the one, which it does. Look at that. Here we have another a fortiori. You see this? Much more, with greater reason. Those who receive the abundance of grace. What is the abundance of grace? As you'll see in our next, when I get to the next slide here in a moment, showing the, the why radical or the why part of the equation is superabundant grace in time. You know, we don't want to just get by in this world, do we? I mean, we want to... to uh, well, there's a parallel. Something just came in my mind. Uh, I, someone sent me an email and they said when they die, they want to be on their last leg, that they don't want to leave anything lacking. It's like you skid into heaven on... Uh, there's All your clothing is tattered, your liver is gone, uh, all your... Uh, Neuron, everything has been wore out because you're trying to squeeze so much into life. Well, I guess that's an unbeliever's way of having a fulfilled life, but we want to fulfill life the way that God designed it, and we want to have abundant grace. We don't want to get the, have the get-by grace, the logistical grace. Every believer is a child of God, and he's going to provide for your needs, but don't we want more than that? Don't we want that more than anyone can ask or think the blessings that God has designed for those who love Him? That's what we want, and that's called the abundant grace. And that's what it's talking about here. We call it blessings in time or super grace. So we have that much more those who receive the abundant grace, the super grace blessings in time, and of the gift of righteousness... We will reign in life through the one Jesus Christ. See, we have reigning here. Uh, everybody is not going to be the same in heaven, and we're not going to be sitting on clouds. And I don't know anything about the heart business. Maybe guitars, I don't know. But uh, It's not going to be the same, and some are going to reign. Some are going to have great uh, advantage over others. And a lot of people think that heaven is just a boring, same old, it's going to be completely different. Now, that's what this is talking about. Death reigned through the one, but through the other one, Christ, we have the 
a potential of abundant grace, and of course, the gift of righteousness. Does every believer get, get God's righteousness? Yes? Um, every believer? Okay, well, uh, when do they get it? When they start speaking in tongues? Well, we get it at the point of salvation. We're going to see that in the next deal. Anyway, that's an important one. And we'll reign in life through the one Jesus Christ. That is the part of the abundant grace package. Verse 18. So then, as through one transgression there resulted what condemnation to what? All men, all mankind. Even so, through one act of righteousness there resulted justification of life to all men. Does that mean that all men are justified? No, it means the potential is there. It was presented to all men. And when a person believes in Jesus Christ, then what happens is that potential uh, turns into reality, that justification. Verse 19. For as through one man's disobedience, that's Adam's, the many were made sinners... Even so, through the abundance of one, that would be Christ, the many were made righteous. So we were all, you didn't have anything to do with being condemned. You were condemned for Adam's sin. Now, some of you still may be vibrating a little bit. Of you still might think, well, why do I have to be condemned for somebody else's sin? I've got enough of my own. Here's the thing. God had to condemn you for Adam's sin. Because when he condemned you for Adam's sin, it set up that potential. Remember the potential? Getting the gospel, believing it, and being saved? The potential is that you were condemned. Condemnation always precedes salvation. And when he, you were condemned for Adam's sin, the potential immediately became salvation through faith in Christ. Here's the thing. More than anything else, I want you to get this. The reason this is so important, because if you were not condemned for Adam's sin, and God waited around until you were uh, condemned for your own sin, in other words, you, you had a personal sin and He condemned you, then that sin could not be imputed to Christ on the cross, and that means you, had no, you have no salvation. That's, why, that's the important thing to remember. We were condemned for Adam's sin, which means that we are not computed, uh, uh, we are not uh, condemned for our own personal sins because all our personal sins were gathered up and given to Christ on the cross. You'll see that in the next slide. Okay, here's the. We move on from the unbeliever status to the believer status, which is blue. It's as easy as X, Y, Z. This, we're in the why, talking about uh, imputations that happen at spiritual birth. Now, when a person believes in Jesus Christ, they're born again. And uh, last week it was a squirrel. No, woodpecker. That was it, woodpecker. <laughs> Maybe that's a big squirrel, I don't know. Uh, now, you notice these are square or rectangular shaped. These are imputations that are different because what is imputed does not go, does not have an affinity for, or does not fit where they're imputed. As you can see, Christ's, I mean, our personal sins here 
are imputed to Christ on the cross. They don't fit. Christ was sinless, but they went there. But that enabled God then to give us His own righteousness, which is imputed to a sinful believer. So these are called judicial imputations, and this goes to the believer. The GP here stands for the grace pipeline. Remember that? What flows through the grace pipeline? Two things. First of all, blessings, right? And the second thing you could categorize as logistical grace. All the support that you need for God to help you fulfill His plan. So these two imputations set up another potential. Here you have God's righteousness. Boy, could we spend a lot of time on it. How, how important is it that you have God's righteousness? You know, if you were not condemned for Adam's sin, you'd never have God's righteousness. You'd be condemned for your own personal sins that came about, and then you wouldn't, uh, none of this would fit. This potential, you have God's righteousness, which we saw plus R plus logistical grace. This is what's coming through this pipeline. Plus doctrine equals the potential number two. Now, it's a shame that most believers don't realize this potential. You know that most believers, when they are saved, they don't know that God has a plan that continues and there's still something that they can achieve, something that He has extra for them. They don't know what to do. They're saved, and so they think, well, I guess I'll just do as much work for God as I can and maybe get a pat on the head, or maybe that will really ensure that I'm going to make it to heaven. A lot of nonsense. The fact that the potential here is super grace blessings in time. That abundant grace. Notice it's an imputation as well. So here we have these two at physical birth, these two at spiritual birth, winds up having a potential. Now I'm looking very hard at y'all. I'm really looking. I'm just waiting for someone to look bored. I haven't found anybody yet, but watch out. I mean, this is, you might think, what is this? I didn't go to church for our math class. Well, I've made, I'm trying to make it simple. This is extremely important that you understand this. Am I doing that? Extremely, it's extremely important that you understand this because if you don't get this blessings in time, forget what's going to happen over here. For some of you, I might as well just stop now because if you're not interested, you don't need to know it. Do y'all want to know it? Okay, what is, before we go past this, where do I have the super grace blessings in time? Let's see. I've got to look at something on here to see where it is. Do I have that next? Okay, here we go. I'm going to show you. Remember I've talked about this, the... Um, Super grace blessings in six categories. Remember that? I've never given it to you. or I've get, Some of you have had it, but I'm going to give it to you today. And I want to spend a lot of time there. If you want the notes, I'll give it to you. But when we're talking about super grace blessings, it's not some kind of ethereal, oh yeah, I'm going to win the lottery or something like that. It's something that is specific in six categories. Are you ready to go? The first one is spiritual blessings, and this is by far, I think, the most important. It means the ability to correctly interpret in contemporary history, 
to evaluate current events in the light of the Word of God. Can you look at the Word of God and go to Daniel and go to Revelation, uh, uh, go into Ezekiel, uh, go into Zechariah and say, oh, okay, yeah, I see what's shaping up right here. Can you do that? Well, spiritually mature believers can. That's one of the spiritual blessings. The second one, B, freedom from slavery to circumstances in life and adaptability to changing circumstances. This is huge. You make the decision or your, you make good decisions or bad decisions to determine if you're going to be on top of your circumstances or they're going to be on top of you. What it amounts to is if you have doctrine circulating in your stream of consciousness, if you think about doctrine, you meditate on it, then you can take the doctrine and apply it to your circumstances and there is no circumstance ever that is going to get the best of you and be able to adapt to changing circumstances. Listen, that's hard. I still think it's harder for men than it is women because men don't like changes. Carrie and I had an interesting... What was that? I don't know what you call it, experience. She took my towel and switched sides. Her towel's on the left, mine's on the right. And somehow they got swapped. And I went, I, when I go to the towel, I go to the one on the right, period. I don't care what color it is, I'm going to the one on the right. Well, that was her towel. And anyway, it was uh, interesting. And the thing is, I, I, oh, I remember what it was. Some company was, for some reason, the company was coming and she thought she needed to change them around. Well, my whole world was upset when my towel isn't on the right anymore. <laughs> so, I, you know, I'm thinking, she says, that's not my, that's not your towel. Mine's a, and I, I, I said, I don't care what color it is, what shape it's in. If the towel is on the right, that's the one I'm going to use. And we had all kinds of discussions about that. <laughs> What's my point? I don't like change. If she changes the furniture, the way the furniture is arranged in the house, that's something I notice. And I walk in and I'm, I'm discombobulated. What, 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 what happened? It's something has changed. And so this one, the spiritual blessings that we give, we, we receive, is we are able to adapt to changing circumstances. Some people can't handle the circumstances when they are bad, some can't handle them when they're good, referencing the stars and the super wealthy, you know, they're berserko. So this is an a, a important one. See, grace orientation, freedom orientation, authority orientation, and common sense. I guess all those have to do with common sense, which is a misnomer because common sense is anything but common. Grace orientation, that's the huge one there. You don't go through life trying to make deals with God or impress God. You recognize that you're just a slime bucket and everything that you get from God is grace. Every good gift and perfect gift comes from the God of lights that's in James. And the last one, a total sense of security, whether in prosperity or disaster. Isn't that huge? I mean... Anybody that has two brain cells to rub together know that there's ominous clouds looming on the horizon. This country is on very thin ice. And yet we don't fret. We, don't, we, we, we are going to have a sense of security no matter what the circumstances are. Why? Well, because we've learned how to faith rest 
We learned how to take the essence box. We've learned how to take the logistical grace, uh, the, the grace pipeline, the promises, and the seven imputations that God has for us, put it all together, and we're not going to be undone no matter what happens. Okay, I'm going to have to start going faster through these. Can you all manage that? You, still, you can get these. Uh, we'll send them to you or they'll be on the, on the website. Temporal blessings. First one, wealth either received or acquired. Everybody think, all right. You know, that's what we want. But a lot of people get it and they wish they didn't have it. What is it, five years, seven years after people win about a zillion dollars, they're broke again and miserable? Professional prosperity, promotional recognition in one's sphere of life, the ability to assume responsibility and authority. Uh, if you are in spiritual maturity, you have the doctrine, then you're able to assume more responsibility and authority without it going to your head. See, social prosperity, you have great friends. If you're a super grace believer, you're going to probably have more friends. You know why? Just common sense tells you nobody likes to be around a grump. Somebody that's complaining all the time. And sometimes, every time someone gets around you, you start, let me tell you my woes. Let me tell you about my operation. Let me tell you about this. Well, you know, people might like you, but we need to get on a different subject other than you. And so this is part of the social or the temporal uh, prosperity. Sexual prosperity with one's spouse, technical prosperity, or mental prosperity, the ability to think and concentrate increase. By the way, this is automatic because as you, if you're in a doctrinal church like this one and we go for an hour and you, y'all are right with me, I can tell. And I can tell when, when visitors come, most of the time, within 20 minutes, they're already fidgety. You know, they're counting the squares or they're, you know, they're just doing something because they can't concentrate. For some people, an hour worth of concentration is just unheard of. It, at a lot of churches, the pastor goes 15 or 20 minutes, and after that, people are looking at their watches, they're cutting their eyes to the door, you know, they're twiddling their thumbs. Hey, you had your little bit, now let's get on with whatever's next. No concentration. Cultural prosperity, maximum enjoyment of drama, art, literature, music, and history. Somebody like me might even enjoy going to an opera. I don't know about ballet, but maybe opera. I <laughs> I've never been to a ballet. We'll leave it at that. Maybe. <laughs> Establishment, prosperity, enjoyment of freedom, privacy, protection of life and property from criminals and reprisals. And the last one, which should not necessarily be last, it probably should be first, is health. God can, he, he's in charge of everything. He's in control of everything. And if you have health issues, it might be part of your package that, boop, you get health. Now, I'm not saying that when you reach spiritual maturity, you're going to have all of these, but you will have some of these, and I don't, and I don't know what order or anything. Certainly they're worth uh, receiving. Then we have blessings by association. When you're a mature believer, when you are a good and faithful servant, God is not, he's got so many blessings that when he blesses you, they spill over to other people that you know. That's why if you're going to hang out with someone, hang out with a mature believer because you're going to get blessings by association. Those around the believer are blessed by their association, relationship with that person. The super grace believer shares his blessings with others. 
There are peripheral areas of blessing by association such as loved ones in business life and social life and to those in a local church. The more believers that are spiritually mature in a church, the more everybody is blessed for being there. Isn't that good? By the way, we have some here. I'm not going to say how many. I'm not going to say who they are. I'm not even sure. I, I'm, you know, all I can say is, based on certain criteria, the whole church is blessed by them. Uh, there are geographical blessings to those in super grace, uh, believer city, state, or nation. Even a place like Burnt Ham, Brenham. By the way, that's what Brenham means in German. We live in Burnt Ham. That's what George Mueller told me. Now, how, I got the, how we got that, we'll just stick with Brenham. Number four, we have um, historical blessing. The mature believer carries his generation. He stabilizes his generation, becomes a stabilizer for future generations. The super grace believer remains calm and fearless even during times of historical disaster. Right, will you be able to do that? What are you going to do when you go to, to the grocery store and there's no food there? It's empty. Electricity's cut off. There's rioting in the streets. Are you going to be able to stay calm, cool, and collected? And don't look at me like you think, oh, well, yeah, that's really going to happen. Ha! Oh. Well, we'll just go to number five. I know you're not going to like this one. Undeserved suffering. How can that be a blessing? How many of you want to sign up for undeserved suffering? Huh? It's like me signing up for chemistry. <laughs> no way. Well, if you have enough doctrine, and here's the good thing about it. I see two things that are related or, or something that is related to two things, death and undeserved suffering. You know the great thing about it? We don't have to make decisions of when it's going to happen or how it's going to happen. God's in charge of that. Aren't you glad that God doesn't say, okay, if you're going to be a mature believer, you're going to have to go under a certain amount of Undeserved suffering. Now, when would you like that to be? Huh? Do you want that decision? Not me. I don't know if anybody ever make it because I think I just keep putting it off. That's God's decision. Only in time does God have the opportunity to give us pressure, disaster, and undeserved suffering to prove His total sufficiency. So what I'm saying, and I know this sounds crazy, enjoy the undeserved suffering while you can. Because it's not going to be on the other side of this veil of tears. In eternity, there will be no more suffering. God gives us the ability to handle suffering and turn suffering into blessings. Romans 8.28. How many know Romans 8.28? All things work together as far as you get. Okay, let's do it right. All things work together for good to those who love God, who are called according to His purpose. Okay? That means that God can do something that is unbelievable. He can take the bad in your life and turn it out for good. And no one else can do that. Don't, don't you try it. Don't go out and do good, and, I mean do bad and say, now I'm going to turn this into good. It's just a part of God's grace. That, but... By the way, did you hear that qualifier in that? 
It does not say God works all, all things together for good. Then what? To those who love Him. How many people love God? I don't know. But I know one thing. You don't love God just because you sing, Oh, how I love Jesus. That won't cut it. You cannot love God if you are spiritually deficient with regards to Bible doctrine. In other words, if you don't know God, you can't love Him. So there's a big incentive there for us to continue to learn His Word. By the way, that's, how, do you, how do you acquire love for God? Isn't it through knowledge? Isn't it through words? I mean, it's, it's, we think with words, and it's God's Word. Now, you can go out and appreciate His creation and enjoy that and appreciate Him for... Boy, did y'all see this field right outside here? Huh? I mean, there, there is a field right outside the church on the other side of the road. I don't know how many acres it is, but it's solid yellow. And when we turned to came, come in, Carrie said, you got a picture? you got a camera? You don't want to take it? And I'm thinking, sometimes we don't have a chance to take a picture if we don't have a camera with it. But we can do it in our soul, can't we? And when we take that mental shot, what we ought to also do is say, Father, thank you for allowing me to see another aspect of your beautiful creation. And boy, this spring, it is everywhere you look. We have beauty. And you can appreciate God to that extent. But uh, <clears throat> we, ex we, we really appreciate Him all the more when we have undeserved suffering and He advances us spiritually. Listen, when you... This is not an easy thing. And this is not for a baby believer. What's your first inclination when something happens to you and you're suffering and it's not your fault? It's somebody else's fault. What is your first natural inclination? Yeah, Complain? Blame someone else? That's our nature. That's what we crave to do. That's what we want to do. However... What we recognize is that if we're thinking doctrine, we can say, oh, wait a minute. Ah, I deserve suffering. I don't deserve this. God is trying to promote me. He's going to show me off before angels. This suffering is going to hurt. It's going to be uh, unpleasant. But if I continue to think doctrine, not complain, and recognize that He is advancing me spiritually, what a great blessing is that. And some of you are looking at me like you don't know what I'm talking about. And it shows. This means nothing to someone that doesn't have the doctrine. But if you have that eternal sense of destiny, it means everything. Because you recognize that the decisions you make, the things that you think, the things that you do now, have eternal repercussions. Underserved suffering is also used by God to help you Help keep your eyes on God and your focus on eternity. Now, you might want to jot these, these verses down. I'm not going to take the time to go over them, but they're great verses. Focus on eternity. You see, the danger and what's so easy for us is to get wrapped up in the details of life. And boy, do we have a lot of details. We don't have enough details life in life or just a normal course of living. No, we've got to get emails. We've got to get on the Internet. We've got to see what everybody else's problems are. We've got to see what problems are on the other side of the world. 
Then we have that to think about and deal with. And before you know it, God has just squeezed out of the equation. It's harder not to be distracted today than it ever has been before. Because there is a glut of information that we are bombarded with, and we've got to be able to just just set it all aside. Okay, oh, here it is. This is what's really important. You push all the way, and you have to fight for it. Because people are going to be calling you, can you do this? Will you be there? Uh, you've got people who are trying to sell you things. You've got people constantly vying for your time. And you have to say, no, 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 yes. And you have to do that every day, over the long haul. That's how you get to love God and be a spiritually mature believer. Undeserved suffering teaches us the value of Bible doctrine, Psalm 119, 67 through 71. Put these verses down and read them at your own time because they're fantastic. Undeserved suffering is designated to manifest the ministry of God the Holy Spirit, 2 Corinthians 4, 8 through 11. Until, you recognize, until you've been in a hopeless situation and you've depended on the Lord and you've asked Him to intercede and to help you, not get rid of the problem but just get you through it, without getting into carnality and all the rest of it, and see him work, it's unbelievable. And number uh, G here, undeserved suffering is destined, excuse me, designed uh, to occupy the believer with eternal values. Uh, Romans 8, 36, and Romans 5, 3 through 5. Eternal values. You see, if you're, co- if you're focused on the details of life every day, and... Boy, we, you know, I was suspecting some really dullards this morning as I go over this. I thought there'd be some people that were, you know, just trying to doze off. But we don't. That's really good. Because people, <coughs> excuse me, people who don't get it, they don't think about anything with eternal values. They never even think about eternity. They spend most of their time decisively not thinking about eternity. Because to them, eternity is a leap out into the darkness. It's death, and for all they know, they're going to take a permanent dirt nap. They don't know anything about it, so they try to avoid it. But not us. The Bible has told us what to expect. And God says the best is yet to come. Listen, we live in this veil of tears full of suffering and pain and hurt, anxiety, meanness, everything you can think of. And we want to stay here? And to add to it, your body degenerates. You get older. And you don't even have to try. It just happens. The world is getting worse. We're getting older. And we want to stay here? Undeserved suffering is designed to occupy the believer with you. Okay, I got that one. All right, number six. Here we go, last one. Dying blessings are dying grace. That's another thing that a lot of people spend a lot of effort doing of not thinking about is dying. Well, that's silly. I mean, we don't know when we're going to die. Why think about it? It's not to be feared. All we're, all we're going to do is change from this location to another location. Every believer has a choice in time between being positive to doctrine and receiving dying grace or being negative to doctrine and dying to sin unto death. The important thing about that point is this. There's a choice. It's an either-or. 
nothing in between. Do you understand? You're either going to go out of this life, and I don't know how it will be. Same, same goes for me. And of course, this is if Christ doesn't come in our lifetime, we're all going to die. And we are either going to die and anticipating the great things that God has promised us as believers, looking forward to it, or else we are going to be in panic palace. We, it's going to be the, most, the, the worst thing you can possibly, possibly think of because grip, a fear will grip a person who does not ever think about eternity, does not know that they're saved. They don't know what's going to happen. Have you ever heard the saying that there's, um, there's no unbeliever in a foxhole? Well, when you're facing death, it can be either, okay, Lord, if, if it's my time, I'm, I'm ready to go. I'm looking forward to getting out of this place. And I've seen that happen. My sister died May, um, uh, March the 2nd this year. And she was, the, the night before she died, they had a little phone camera video of her, and she could hardly stand up. She had a daughter under each uh, arm, and she was kind of shuffling her feet. She was trying to do a, 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 a victory dance. She was trying to do a joyful dance. And before the next morning rose, she had already flown to heaven. There was no fear. Not an ounce of fear, just great anticipation. That's what we're talking about with regards to dying grace. It is the antithesis of sin unto death. The sin unto death, the perfect happiness of the super grace believer in time is exceeded by his happiness in dying grace. You know, that's hard for people to understand. They think the worst part of life has to be the dying part. But dying is just part of living. And if you have what we're talking about, if you're a mature believer and you are intimate with God in your thoughts and you think His Word and you consistently keep your spiritual momentum and your relationship with Him vigorous, then dying is the best part. One, one reason because you don't have anything to do with it. We're just along for the run. And when God is ready to take you home and you realize the Bible just opens the door a little bit and talks about heaven, what eternity is like, it's the greatest. Therefore, the mature believer has the best of life, better in dying and better than the best for all eternity. Psalm 116.15, Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of His godly ones. Huh. I went through that pretty fast, didn't I? Well, I'm not going there yet. Let me go back. Y'all have still have enough energy in your battery to see the uh, last part. Y'all want to see the last part. Okay. Here it is. This is the icing on the cake here. See, the potential is when you get doctrine and super grace blessings in time, and it's in six categories. We looked at those. You have those. But then when you have those, is that it? Is that all that God has in your plan? No. What he has now is, is it this? When I turn? Okay, well. <laughs> I didn't hear a shout, but anyway. Okay. Uh, this is the mature believer. Now, here is the potential imputation in eternity. These two, these four take place in this five. 
All these take place and are already done. But this, uh, when you're born physically, these happen. When you're born spiritually, these happen. When you reach spiritual maturity, this happens. And here is the potential of uh, imputation in eternity. First of all, eternal life is imputed, is, impute, is imputed at salvation. Eternal life. You got that? And it's imputed to your human spirit. Now, I could say a lot more about this, but let me put it this way. Since Adam fell and he was born trichotomous, he had a body, a spirit, and a soul. Remember I said Genesis 2-7? That God breathed into his, li- into his body the breath of lives. His body was a- animated with a spirit and a soul. A spirit is having the ability to have a relationship with God, to be able to understand spiritual phenomenon. If you're a believer and you're... You have automatically a spirit. You're three parts to you. And this is what eternal life is imputed to uh, at birth. See, this is why I, I, what I'm saying. This, the potential of this is in eternity, but this takes place over here. I'm just putting it on the graph to show you. Oh, excuse me, not, not there, here. When you believe down here, this is when uh, uh, God's righteousness and eternal life is imputed to you. God's righteousness is imputed to you here, and uh, eternal life goes to the human spirit. And I could say a lot more about that, but I'm already past time, so let me press. Here's the point. Eternal life, which is imputed to you at salvation when you believe in Christ here, plus blessings in time, which the, super, the, the mature believer, spiritual mature believer already has in six categories. He has these already. When, when this... And the eternal life in the human spirit, when these two go together, it sets up a potential. But what does it need here? Every time it needs doctrine because that potential is never going to be recognized apart from you receiving that information. That We call it Bible doctrine. Here, it's the only thing that's pertinent is the gospel. Here, it's the whole realm of doctrine, the same here. So once you get these blessings in time to move on, you have to always have doctrine. Potential number three, and the potential number three here is surpassing grace, blessings, and eternity. And this is the good, by the way, in the Romans 8, 28. That's the seventh imputation. So God not only wants to give you those imputations during the, at, at physical birth and, and at uh, spiritual birth, and He doesn't want to only give you all these great blessings in time here, which... Uh, I mean, that's, that's, in, that's, that's great to know, but how short is this time? I mean, it's, it's a vapor. It's here and it's gone. God wants to be able to bless you for all eternity with surpassing grace blessings. They call surpassing grace blessings because they make the blessings in time look like mediocre. And here's the best part. How long do they last? Forever. That's what God wants for you. And that's what every believer can get to this point to where he has the surpassing grace blessings in eternity because that's God's plan. That's what he wanted for you when he imputed to you soul life when you were born. All these things come together and so that for all eternity God is going to bless you beyond your wildest dreams. These are enough. I mean, we... 
you can't handle these surpassing grace blessings here because you can't even handle these. And these are just temporary. When you get to these, well, isn't that worth aspiring to, by the way? Huh? To have blessings that are so grand our little pea brains can't even comprehend them and to have them for all eternity and that's what God wants for every one of the believers? Why don't they have it? No positive volition here. No doctrine here. If you don't have doctrine here, forget this. If you don't have this, you're not going to get here. But if you do have this and you have doctrine over here, then you're going to have that. And people online are going to say, what is he talking about? I mean, the people out here watching me pointing probably are saying, what, what, what? Okay, now I know that I did this quickly. I mean, I went through it pretty fast. And, but this won't be the last time that you'll see this. This is God's plan for your life. This is where He wants you to be. You can look on here and tell, where am I? Well, almost for certain you're not here. You're over here. You're a believer, unless there's somebody here that's not a believer. And if that's the case, forget, forget about this over this way. It's all about faith alone and Christ alone. And you can tell, where are you in here? Do you have the super grace blessings in time? If, you, if, if not, do you want them? Are you going to try to go the worldly route and choose something other than God's way to have the superior blessings? Let me tell you, the world can never offer you victory over your circumstances to where they cannot bring you down. That's, to me, that's one of the greatest things, that your happiness, your contentment, your security, none of that has anything to do with your circumstances. It has to do with what you think, and what you think is God's Word, and that brings you up above everything. Isn't that worth aspiring to? Okay. Uh, I'd like everyone please bow your heads. It's possible that someone is here and they might be very confused at this point if they don't know Jesus Christ. When I say no, I mean know Him personally. Know Him in the sense that you recognize that he is the Son of God and He went to the cross to pay for your sins. He died and was buried and rose from the dead and now He offers eternal life to anyone who will trust Him and Him alone for it. You don't have to do anything. It's a free gift. You don't have to work for it. You don't even have to raise your hand or walk an aisle. The only thing you have to do is believe it, is to trust Jesus Christ, that His atonement paid for your sins. And in that moment that you trust Him and Him alone, you're born again. You have eternal life. You have God's own righteousness. Now you're in the Y radical. Now the issue is growing up spiritually, getting super grace blessings, and maybe eventually eternal surpassing grace blessings. That's what's in it for you, and you can do it right now. Now, Father, we're so thankful for your plan. Help us to meditate upon things that are really important. Help us to understand that your plan moves on through this life. We're never stagnant. We're always pressing on to the next phase that we all will be able to hear those greatest accolades. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. We pray this in Christ's most high and holy name. Amen.